Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of HashMap on Tap. I am your host, Randy Pitcher. Today, we are pleased to welcome Janos Matias. Janos is a CTO and co-founder at Banzai Cloud. Banzai Cloud is a company on a mission to simplify the development, deployment, and scaling of complex applications, and to bring the full power of Kubernetes to developers and enterprises everywhere. Janos, welcome to the show. What are you drinking today? Hello, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm drinking a Hungarian Weisspitzel. Really? Can you tell me a little more about that? Uh, yeah, it's more, it's, it's a kind of uh, wine mixed with uh, soda water. So usually we, yeah. I mean, there are 10 different kinds, at least 10 different kinds of uh, Weisspitzels we are drinking. Uh, yeah. Basically made on, on different sizes. Uh, but what I'm drinking right now is called Witzehasmester, which is a, it's kind of assistant janitor. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. Which is basically two units of wine and three units of soda made out of oh, okay. I um I decided to do this something similar, right? When you because you sent a link to all the different names, and I, I'm doing oh, I don't know if I could say this in Hungarian. Um Kisfrocks. Kisfrocks. Um Kisfrock, yeah. So uh, in, in English they it's small step. Yeah. Um and I actually, I, I probably didn't do the right ratio because I poured just a little, it's morning time here. So I poured just a splash of red wine and it's probably like one to four parts soda water. All right. But it's a, yeah, great drink. Good, good idea. It's a, yeah, it's especially in summertime, it's refreshing. So we, we drink this quite frequently, either, you know, winter time, it's red wine, summertime, it's either fresh or Beer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I started. I started getting into sparkling water um, or soda water after working with some Hungarian people at Exxon uh, when I was there because they drank a lot of sparkling water. And uh, at first, I didn't like it so much. Um, I, I was a still water kind of guy, but now I drink a ton of it. I'm a Perrier uh, consumer. Or right, so you're making for yourself? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, it's one of um, uh, well, I can't really say inventions, but one of the one of the things which uh, a guy called I think Yadlik Anos invented around eighteen twenty something. Uh, wow! But, uh, yeah, a while ago. The I've always wondered how they... I guess it was invented way before. I think they were drinking in Dublin or, or Vienna. I'm not sure, but uh, this guy uh, who actually was a physicist invented a way or made a way to produce this the same quality and the same uh, and the quantity mm -hmm. i i always wonder how you know pre-industrial times how do they make um carbonated water how do they carbonate it i had an idea i was a uh, I, I read the process <laughs> but it's pretty complicated <laughs> yeah okay well hey what um diving into the podcast here you want to start off by telling us a little bit about your background and what you do at bonsai club Oh yeah, sure. So my background—it's my background. It's uh, I was software engineering background. Uh, primarily, I'm interested in distributed systems. Uh, okay. That was my my graduation of the university as well, geared towards distributed systems. Uh, been working in in software development for quite a while, uh, probably more than twenty years, twenty something, uh, and okay. been working on several large projects. EPM and BA systems. I did a couple of betting sites, uh, been working on stock exchanges, uh, some airport transportation related things, oh, wow. online checking and uh, the tracking of lost baggages. So don't blame me <laughs> though. <laughs> now, that, that all sounds like um, really kind of critical business applications, right? Like these aren't just um, sharing a photo online. Like those sound like really important things. Yeah, these 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 applications was primarily built on on application servers. I had a I had a thing for application servers a while back, uh, probably fifteen years ago. Uh, actually, I made my own application server with with a couple of friends, JMX microkernel based one, uh, which then later JBoss came back came up with the same idea. So we've been contributing to JBoss as well. Uh, okay. yeah, these were all application server based uh, things. So, so is your background largely in Java development? Uh, yeah, uh, recently not Java, but yeah, it's uh, it was mostly C plus plus and Java. Okay, 
Right on. And you mentioned distributed applications being something you focused on. What about distributed applications interested you? Why did you want to work on that? Well, probably the the hard nature of uh, distributed applications. Yeah. Okay. It's so, tricky, right? Yeah. Building a scale, you uh, know, making scaling and and solve, solving these kind of problems uh, was always something which was which was my primary interest. Okay. And did you did you ever consider doing anything else or from a young age were you always focused on software engineering? Uh, mostly software engineering. Uh, that was my interest since I think I was 12. I was selling Oh wow. Yeah, I was selling okay. uh, either game hacking as a service uh, kind of thing. <laughs> I was selling computers for my friends and uh, the incentive to buy from me and not from the shop was that uh, Basically, I was breaking up row gates for them to pass certain levels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's, uh, okay. that's how it started. And, and what about Bonsai Cloud? Can you tell me more about what Bonsai Cloud does? I mean, for me, I, I've seen it around and I really know you through your blog posts because you guys write incredible content, really high quality content. Thank you. Um, but what do you guys actually do? Uh, we like to call ourselves a Kubernetes platform company. Uh, okay. We are solving uh, multiple problems on multiple levels. Uh, so at the bottom layer, we have uh, we have something called PKE, which is uh, our own uh, Bonsai Cloud CNCF certified Kubernetes distribution. So we have a Kubernetes distribution which we push uh, to different uh, uh, environments. And then okay. uh, moving one layer up, we have a container management platform, uh, which basically it's called Pipeline. Uh, so pipeline it's uh, installing Kubernetes on on five different cloud providers uh, and on-prem VMware or bare metal uh, with a push of a button experience. Uh, so basically we automated okay. all this process and then uh, we are solving. So these are pretty much day zero problems uh, and day zero day one problems and yeah our primary focus with the container management platform is to solving day one and day two problems as well. For instance. Okay. Uh, so all, all Kubernetes clusters which we which we are installing for our customers, they get out of the box uh, federated monitoring, centralized log collections. We do give them DNS, uh, we do security scans, uh, we provide them backups and restores. Uh, we do world-based security, uh, ingress management, wow. uh, spot price support uh, if they are willing to run their clusters on on spot instances and we, are, we do some termination expiration control services like they can set up how, how long a cluster it's available or from when it should be available, these kind of things. And then moving to day two problems we do for them rolling upgrades, uh, not just for Kubernetes, but for the systems which we are installing for them, uh, like Prometheus okay. and all the others. So these are this is the container management platform. And then moving, moving a bit in a wider scope, it's uh, we do with, with pipeline, basically, we, we allow customers to build multi and hybrid clouds. So as I said, we we give them the option to to have, using a common blueprint and installing Kubernetes clusters across cloud providers on on-prem. Uh, but we actually uh, allow them to mix uh, to build hybrid clouds uh, across these environments. So what we actually do with uh, with so we, we give them actually four four different options to build hybrid clouds because you know each and every use case is different so initially obviously we had one option but uh, yeah we moved into to four different ways to to do hybrid clouds starting from uh, starting from uh, cluster groups uh, federation and then uh, istio based uh, service meshes and and most recently something which we are calling cloud fusion where we basically fuse clouds together but what do you mean, what do you mean by fuse clouds together? Uh, so the previous three options are basically we are we are we are installing or making Kubernetes clusters for customers. But all, each of these clusters are separated clusters in a sense that uh, there is a, an API server which controls the cluster itself. Uh, with okay. Cloud Fusion, basically we have an option where uh, there is one single API server. Let's say you have a data center uh, running on VMware or whatever doesn't really matter. And you have a Kubernetes cluster on-prem, and you would like to scale out uh, the Kubernetes cluster uh, out from your data center. Typically, systems like, for example, Google Antos, it gives you the option to 
to, la to launch yet another Kubernetes cluster on a different cloud provider. Yeah. Uh, what we do, we do that as well. As I said, we have three different ways to 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 that kind of uh, use cases. But with Cloud Fusion, basically, uh, we allow people to add nodes from cloud providers, uh, and these nodes are joining back the same Kubernetes cluster, which is on-prem. Uh, Okay. If there is one single API server, uh, you have the data center, you have, and then you are running out of capacity and you can add nodes from AWS, Azure, or, or Google, for instance. Uh, obviously, okay. so, there are a couple of network requirements, uh, like okay. it requires uh, a worldly network or a flat network uh, for this, but typically our customers, they do have an AWS con direct connect or, or similar, or they use a provider which, uh, which basically create them the overlay network uh, across clouds and their data center. I gotcha. Okay, so starting this company, cause you've been around with Bonsai Cloud since the beginning, right? Uh, yes. Um, did, were you guys always focused on Kubernetes as the target or did you start looking at something else first? Uh, no, right, yeah, yes and no. So uh, obviously Kubernetes, so we started uh, before Bonsai Cloud had a company called uh, Sigmund IQ. Where we okay. basically we containerized uh, we containerized the whole Hadoop stack, and we were pushing these containerized Hadoop stacks uh, into different cloud providers, uh, the three major ones. Uh, so with that, basically we've been solving a couple of problems, and this was we started Sequence like in 2014, by the way, uh, and there was no Kubernetes okay. was just about to start. So basically, we went through the same process, and we figured. We have built something. We have built our own orchestrator uh, thing, uh, like Kubernetes, built on cloud APIs, the cloud provider APIs, uh, built on Docker, uh, built on, on 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 some system called Sheriff, which is a decentralized service discovery uh, and gossip-based membership, uh, built on DNS mask, uh, and uh, all these things went into a project which we we called CloudBreak. So CloudBreak was okay. orchestrating. Uh, orchestrating big data clusters uh, with a push of the button across these cloud providers. Uh, and uh, basically, it was a blueprint-based Hadoop as a service, uh, if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, and yeah, around 2015, uh, so in 2015, actually, we sold the company to Hortonworks. Uh, but and I've seen Kubernetes coming, uh, you know, especially in early 2016, uh, it was it was becoming a thing, uh, and I, I got interested more and more on, on, in, on Kubernetes, and I was pushing within Hortonworks to, to let's move the whole stack to Kubernetes, but yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, so yeah. basically, uh, after going through several iterations in, in 2017, uh, if I'm right, I left the company. I went surfing for half a year, and then uh, in November, uh, I came back and started Banzai Cloud. Did you say you went surfing? Yeah. Is that is that a long time hobby of yours? Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, all all our projects uh, in sequence cycle and in Banzai Clouds are named after surfing spots. Like Cloudbreak uh, was the flagship product of sequence IQ. I think it's still used today uh, in Cloudera. I'm not sure if they they are still using the same name. So that's a spot in Fiji. Uh, and then pipeline, uh, backyards, one eye, uh, backwards. <laughs> These projects we are we are having in Bazaar Cloud are all named after different server spots. <laughs> How did you get into surfing? Uh, through some, uh, I had some friends who I used to play ice hockey, and uh, I had a couple of teammates who've been uh, surfing. Uh, and you know, we you had these training camps, and and these guys were always disappearing for two three months, uh, going to Maui, Hawaii, uh, surfing. Wow. And uh, yeah, I just uh, somehow I hooked with them, and and that's that. Okay, it was quite a long time ago. You know, it's it's pretty strange for for a country which has no sea. We have a big lake. Yeah, though, but... <laughs> that's what I was wondering. There's uh, maybe not a lot of surfing in Hungary. No, you have to travel a lot. Unlucky. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Um, so so you were talking about. You saw Kubernetes coming. You already moved there. Uh, the the cloud in general was maybe something that the the Hadoop providers were trying to wrap their hands around with. Do you think there's still a place for managed Hadoop on prem today, or, or is that mostly like going away? 
my personal opinion it's uh, there is uh, it turns out there is no need for for a big data platform but that's my <laughs> that's my opinion uh, I got gotcha. you think the the problem with Hadoop stack is that it's basically it's built on lots of legacy code uh, and then legacy mean you know it's using technologies uh, older than 10 years uh, it wasn't really built for the cloud uh, I think the whole orchestrator, ER, Zookeeper, uh, all these things were not really built for the cloud uh, yet. Uh, yeah. Containers, uh, that's that's even a more complicated thing. Uh, so, uh, and the, there is lots of overlap between what Hadoop at infrastructure layer and Hadoop or Spark or whatever we can say at compute layer is trying to solve. So my personal opinion is that Kubernetes as a platform or as an orchestrator platform source 90% of the infrastructure problem required by 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 Hadoop stack uh, and yeah and I think there is no need for for there is no need for something like HDP or, or I don't know how Cloudera is calling now today the, their own stack because you got 90% free there is uh, there is no surprise that companies like 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 for example Databricks or or Confluent are doing extremely well probably better than Cloudera uh, because you know they are focusing on, on mostly on compute and they don't focus on 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 solving other kind of things which are so to say are coming out of the box either from the by the either from the cloud provider uh, or you know all this all these companies now are running on Kubernetes or they they just reusing what's there on Kubernetes as well. You know that's a really interesting point I hadn't thought of but um, it, it's not that all the the Hadoop era technology is doomed to to fail because Databricks and Confluent are doing really well, uh, but it seems like they also have a, a somewhat different commercial model where they they still are contributing to open source, but they also have fully managed cloud services that you can just subscribe to as opposed to relying on placing like consultants. You know, uh, yeah, consultants, C-based business. It's hard to scale, probably, it's, but it's very lucrative. <laughs> but it's you know it's <laughs> uh, yeah. It. I don't think anyone. I'm in consulting, but I don't think anyone thinks to themselves when they like start designing an architecture or a technology approach. Hey, I want to have consultants in here all the time, forever. So it, it's always a a moving target for where consulting is useful, as opposed to where it's just hanging on. You know, uh, that's something I think about a lot. Yeah, I think what what these big companies, uh, what I said was what Confluent and Data Response, they got it right or they got it in a timely manner, uh, and you know they just switched to the cloud fairly early. Uh, one of yeah. my frustration, for example, with with Horton was, was that you know I was we were really pushing the cloud, but uh, uh, obviously the data center based business model. Uh, was more lucrative in a sense that you know you are selling licenses up front and you know how many licenses are selling, whereas in the cloud there is a totally different uh, business model. So all these companies yeah. are are SaaS providers, I mean Confluent and and uh, Databricks, right? So yeah. and they are using uh, they are using what's there in the cloud. But I think the technology is moving extremely fast. Uh, I mean, I I can't initially when we started Bonsai Cloud, uh, going back to one of your questions like 10 minutes ago uh, yeah uh, i have a tendency to deviate from topics but sorry about it <laughs> so no it's yeah, good we, we always started with kubernetes was always in a focus but you know like our background was big data uh yeah uh, several founders from sequence IP joined bonsai cloud so you know we, we knew the big data uh projects uh we knew which were the interesting big data big data projects for instance and uh, and initially we started out what we wanted to build at first with Bonsai Cloud, we wanted to build a, a platform as a service kind of thing where basically we, for example, you are running Spark uh, and the only thing you need to do is just, you know, point, hey, this is my GitHub repo, this is my 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 Spark code release. And then basically we had a CI CD system which picked the code, build the code, build the containers, created the created the cluster or could reuse a cluster, a Kubernetes cluster in the cloud if you didn't have one. Uh, yeah, and uh, basically we 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 give for your Spark uh, out of the box your for your Spark workloads out of the box monitoring and log collection, centralized log collection, all these kind of things. Uh, but so we've been doing Spark quite a lot for pretty much one one and a half year, and at the same time we've been doing uh, 
Kafka as well. Uh, okay. Spark story, uh, we we kind of gave up on that. Uh, because, okay. uh, to be honest, I think it was it was a different kind of problem. So we are more focused on 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 infrastructure. Uh, Okay. And uh, we, you know, we don't really understand ML, AI, and all these kind of things. So we were not really able to give people a good Spark as a service kind of thing. You know, like to become your own Spark as a service provider, for example. However, yeah. for example, with Kafka, we did quite well. Uh, so we built an operator. Uh, initially, we even got rid of. Uh, I will, I a personal thing against Zookeeper, for example. So. Uh, we really? yeah i don't really like it uh, i think it's not for the cloud it's not for kubernetes at all but that's as i said that's a personal opinion uh, so what we did with kafka early 2018 is that basically we got rid of zookeeper and we'll be using etcd uh, for uh, storing all the informations which is uh, which is required we actually we even created the keep for that and we had a pull request on the kafka community uh, which oh okay uh, never went ahead but now now I think the Kafka or the Confluent guys now are just uh, uh, either they they finished it or or I saw some keep which is basically abstracting away or making Kafka zookeeper less, which is a good idea. Uh, it's it's yeah. hard to operate. That's the... yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that's interesting uh, perspective around you know how those companies play together and about how. You see that switch of uh, of like actual end client companies moving maybe more to the cloud. Do you see in your in Bonsai Clouds like primarily customers are they mostly new companies that are hoping to jump into the cloud, or are you seeing more of an adoption of cloud migrations from more legacy companies? I think we we see the the both sides of the spectrums. So uh, okay, we have people who are new to the cloud. Uh, and uh, for some reason, they uh, they choose to go out in the cloud. By the way, everything we do is a, is Kubernetes based. So if somebody is about to go to the cloud but is not using Kubernetes, it's not us who who we are not a good uh, company to talk with. So everything, gotcha. All, all the projects we are running and and all, all the platforms we have built is running on Kubernetes. That's true that it's running on five different or can run in five different cloud providers, running so combination of these or on prem, but. Uh, our abstraction layer is Kubernetes. So we have these people Got who it. are just new to the cloud or Kubernetes, and we have people who are been living in the cloud for ages. Uh, ages mean ten years or ten plus. <laughs> and now they are, sure. now they are making the the shift to, to Kubernetes. They they still gonna stay in the cloud, but uh, now they are moving. Uh, they are containerizing their applications and moving uh, moving to let's say to more modern approach of how to deploy and 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 how to basically consume applications. Sure. So so working at Bonsai Cloud, you're the CTO. Um, and, and this is kind of a longer question, but I like to ask it of people in leadership positions at organizations. Um, what kind of culture does Bonsai Cloud have? And is there anything of particular importance to that culture, virtues that you think are really key? And what do you do to create and sustain that culture? Uh, well, I can't really say that we are big enough to have a, or or have defined the culture yet. <laughs> really? Okay, that's an interesting uh, take. Maybe there is a basically the. Let's say our our culture is the common understanding to uh, of what it means to work for a startup and uh, know okay. what are the requirements of working for a startup. Uh, You know, the usual things like <laughs> yeah, basically we work hard and, and we, we like to trust each other. Uh, but probably uh, why I'm saying that is not really culture. Or, actually, there might be a culture, uh, but in our structure, it's it's still pretty flat. Uh, so I think our org chart uh, doesn't have more than two levels. Uh, okay. So we are only 30, 32 people or, or something like that, so maybe 35. Uh, okay. Uh, but all our groups, so basically it's, it's been organic. Uh, so all the hiring we did so far, it was based on our own network and uh, hiring through okay. your own network, we obviously, which, which again, doesn't really scale. Uh, so I think it was like two weeks ago where we, where we posted uh, a job uh, ad on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so we, we never did that before, uh, but yeah, so basically it's, uh, 
it was organic uh, grew and, uh, and since we know each other or people know each other and, and you know, uh, by either working together or, or being friends or whatever, they know basically they are sharing the same common, uh, let's say, standards. Uh, so it was easy, to find, it, but uh, yeah, this might be a <laughs> culture, but I don't know. Now, is it a remote company? Uh, no, no, it's uh, currently we are all uh, we are all based in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, actually, yeah. oh, sorry, it's a uh, well, we have a sales guy now working from out from uh, from the U.S. Uh, East Coast. So uh, now we are uh, uh, he just started three weeks ago. So it's uh, we are a remote company. <laughs> Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, you're uh, multinational. Yes. <laughs> and now, how does this compare to Sequence IO? Um, it, are you at the size you were at Sequence IO when you were um, merging in with uh, Hortonworks, or where where are you at? That have you gone beyond where you've been before, or are you still climbing up where you, you know you paved that path in the past? Well, the time where we where we basically did the we saw it signal cycle, we were ten people in the company, so uh, okay. we are way beyond. But uh, it's uh, we are still growing. So basically, our let's say closest competitor or as a platform, it's it's Red Hat OpenShift, for example. Uh, so it's okay. uh, so we compete with them uh, in series and and in, in the platform quite a lot. Uh, so obviously, uh, in uh, talking about engineering, uh, how many engineers Red Hat has, has working on OpenShift and how many we have, it's uh, there is a huge difference. So we are obviously yeah. uh, we are in a growing path. Uh, we are constantly hiring. We're just pushing back the hiring in the sense that you know it's we don't necessarily want to add ten people quickly. Uh, we want to add ten people who are actually willing to work here, you know, and they understand what we are building and and the products, uh, the stack, and uh, uh, so yeah, it's our our mid-term or short-term, uh, um, and it's defined what we mean under mid-term, but let's say uh, our goal for for the year is to grow up probably uh, over 45, 50, something like that. Uh, wow, okay. Yeah, like doubling. Yeah. Okay. And growing, I mean, that's a hard thing to do, right? That's a really hard challenge uh, compared to writing code. <laughs> yes, that's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, luckily it's not. Uh, it's not right, in a sense. It's still my problem, but it's not my problem. So you know, the the main point of selling Sequence Cycle was that uh, so I founded a company uh, with a good friend of mine, who will be working together at uh, at EPM and BA Systems for like thirteen years together. Uh, so basically, we knew uh, we'd be working as software engineers or architects in, in several projects. So we understand each other uh, quite well, and. Uh, yeah. Everybody in the company was 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 an engineer, uh, and you know, uh, once the business kicked in, uh, we realized fairly quickly that we are not businessmen, none of us, and we are not about. Actually, the sequence like you had no CEO, so I I, I was the CTO of the company, uh, but uh, I was deliberately avoiding the 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 CEO tag because that means different things, <laughs> which I'm not yeah. willing to do, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So that's why that was one of the main reasons why basically we choose the exit strategy because the project or the company actually was doing quite well. Uh, but, you know, building a business and growing a business is a totally different thing. What we did with, with Bonsai Cloud, it's, uh, it's basically fairly quickly or fairly early, uh, probably in seven or eight months, uh, uh, we, we hired a CEO uh, who's a... Uh, I think it's a pretty good guy who has good experience. He's been working at ARM uh, in in several leadership projects, uh, VP of engineering and, and head of R&D and all these kind of things. So, so you know, he knows how to, how to build a business and how to grow a business. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, my, my primary focus is technology, uh, innovation, R&D, and, you know, uh, some projects, ongoing projects. But uh, luckily, I don't have to really focus on, you know, on the business side, which I don't like. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so thinking of your role in at Bonsai and we got, we're about the halfway point for the year here, 2020 over the next six months, if you could focus on just one thing, get one single thing done, what would you prioritize? What would be that one single thing that you would have get done by the end of the year? Uh, 
Yeah, if you ask me, uh, like uh, Janos, then probably that would be a scheduling problem. So I would, I would focus on, so we built several ring cluster schedulers, we built uh, auto scalers and uh, uh, for the hybrid clouds, you know, so as I said, our, we have uh, the hybrid cloud problem is something which we are extremely interested in and our customers do like a lot. And we have built several systems underneath the hybrid cloud uh, like for example, we have a system called, called Cloud Info, which tracks the prices and services of, of uh, five cloud providers. Uh, and we always know, for example, where is the cheapest to run a service, for instance. And then oh, okay. you know, to build a hybrid cloud and you know to be able to either based on price or some different other criteria, move a workload from one cloud uh, to another or choose a cloud. For example, if somebody has just a compute requirement, choose a push a workload uh, into a cloud uh, based on price. Uh, we build a system called telescopes, which is uh, it's abstracting the cloud infrastructure. So basically we, we allow our customers, if they choose so, to think in, in resources. Uh, so they think in, I need, so this is my, for example, whatever workload I need, X amount of virtual CPU, I need X amount of, yeah. of uh, memory, uh, a total memory I need, I don't know, advanced network, 10 gig, and I need a compute or GPU, uh, for example, in, into my cluster. So they define this uh, virtual requirement, and then we turn these requirements into physical infrastructure layouts because we understand these cloud providers or, or VMware or, or your own brand data center. So you can abstract, yeah. because you know people, they don't really know what means, uh, and I don't, M3X, on AWS was the equivalent of, of in Azure or Google Cloud for, for these kind of things. Uh, so yeah. we, we build them this abstraction, and now so since we are doing this cross cross class orchestration and and all these kind of things, it's a uh, it's a uh, the failure domain is not anymore the cluster itself. Uh, sorry, it's not uh, the failure domain is basically the cluster itself. So we are moving workloads across clusters, and uh, and we personally I would like to work on something which is which is doing a cross cluster scheduler, uh, which is aware of auto scaling and, and all these kind of things. Uh, yeah, probably that's not going to happen uh, in the near future. Uh, if I am about to wear my bonsai cloud hat, for example, then, then probably uh, we would. Yeah, in, in that case, we would continue working on 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 simplifying the platform uh, towards uh, our initial goal, which was like uh, building something which is Heroku simplicity, uh, but built on Kubernetes. And we are in a good yeah. way because we have we have built. Uh, so we have built the Kubernetes part, the infrastructure part. Now we solved the hybrid cloud problem. It's solved, and now we are moved into the service level uh, kind of thing with with uh, with service meshes, for example. And now we have, okay. Uh, so we have a product called Backyard, which is basically it's uh, it's our Istio distribution, and uh, actually it's lots more. But yeah, we are calling an Istio distribution, and okay. With this one, we allow people to you know uh, manage their services and and. Yeah, so probably, so we started this process of simplifying the whole stack uh, and allow people thinking, thinking on services uh, and basically making the whole cloud or Kubernetes stack disappear and become a commodity. So this is what yeah. we're doing and probably for the next, uh, you were saying six months. Yeah, yeah so probably yes, six the, months. Probably for the next six months or, or nine months, uh, we are still uh, going to work on this. <laughs> Gonna work on that. Okay. Yeah, making the whole stack disappear and become a commodity. Well, that is certainly a worthwhile effort, uh, and I wish you luck on that. Um, I wanted to move into our drink update. How is your? Uh, is it Spritzer or Spitzer? Spitzer. Okay. Okay. How's that going? I'm almost over it. Uh, I done like ninety percent. It's warmed up now, uh, but it's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I finished mine and I've moved on to coffee because it is um, kind of early where I'm at. So I, I need to get a little caffeine going. Yeah, I'm gonna have a coffee as well. But uh, this was a good warm up for me because we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a company event or kind of party uh, oh. later this afternoon. So really, it was a good warm up for. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fun. Are you guys celebrating anything in particular? The end of uh, the lockdown. <laughs> oh, okay. In in yeah. Hungary, is that kind of like wrapped up? 
I can't really say, but it's a. Uh, it never, luckily for us, it never, never was such a big issue uh, somewhere else in the world, like US or or Italy or other countries. But uh, yeah. now, basically, everything it's open and and things are slowly getting back to the normal. Though most of us are now still not working out from the office. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Good luck with that. I hope that goes well, man. Thanks. <laughs> so. The, the last kind of section here I wanted to move into is a little less on Bonsai Cloud and more just on your work style and, and maybe some tips you might have. Um, and, and the first question I like to ask people in formal leadership positions, how would you describe your leadership style? You are coming with all these hard questions. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, uh, I hope it's supportive, uh, but I can't really say that I have a... Uh, leadership style other than being supportive. You know, I like to, to trust people. Uh, so it's a mutual trust between uh, me and my colleagues. And, and as long as it works, uh, probably it's good enough for us. Yeah. Do you, do you think that style, that trust-based approach will scale for you? De- definitely not. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but again, it's a, uh, I mean, obviously, I should not do this, or I should not say this as a founder. But you know, I, I try to, in a way, stay away from this kind of things. I mean, not being support, not, okay. not being supportive or building a culture or anything like that. But, uh, uh, gosh, how am I gonna get out of this one? <laughs> it sounds like you prefer technology. Yeah, is that true? I, yeah. yeah, I try to speak with. I like to speak with uh, engineers on engineering problem, and and you know, it's usually these things works. Uh, so and and I leave the rest to the CEO and and other folks who are way better than myself. In this okay, case. it takes a team, right? Yeah. Okay, no, that's a fair answer, absolutely, and I think that's um, not uncommon for technical founders. Is that it, it's really the technology that. Um, inspired you to do some entrepreneurship, right? Exactly. So my goal was never, and actually as I told this to, to our investors uh, uh, probably yeah. on the first meeting, my goal was never to, you know, build a, build a company or build something, uh, you know, like a very lucrative business. Uh, but my goal always was to build a platform uh, and building some good technologies, which probably the company will be successful selling it so yeah i'm already yeah. interested in the tech in the technical part of of it not on the business part or not on the but yeah so th- that's interesting and, and i wonder so at sequence io did you guys have invents investors as well we did yeah but that was a short-lived so basically they invested in in like one month or two months before uh selling the company to Gordon works so that was a good investment for them probably double uh, double digit exit for them for sure <laughs> oh good for them wow yeah on. good timing yeah so for bonsai cloud did you find it was easier to know how to go about the like the financing discussion because you'd done it before uh it was easy but it's still a long process uh or yeah or it still- was a bit easier yeah i guess because you know people Although, you know, like lighting doesn't strike twice the same place, but, you know, investors tend to believe that if somebody's been successful in a company once, they're going to be successful again, But which is, you know, there is no guarantee. We try our best. Yeah. We, we are trying to build a good technology. Uh, luckily, uh, it sells and, and it's working great, but, you know, it's... Uh, the whole investment process and all these things it's sometimes it's pure luck uh, and yeah and network yeah luck and network i I like it you gotta have that right yeah um so would you say there are any secret weapons that have been really important for you to be successful i don't know it's uh I don't want to say, you know, the, the usual stock phrases of like hard work and all these kind of things. <laughs> sure. It's my secret weapon was like, I always used to be open to new technologies uh, and interested in, in new innovations and trying to translate, simplify them and trying to translate them to be more consumer for the enterprise. Uh, okay. And yeah, but yeah, I think there is no other at least for me, there is no other uh, secret sauce. Uh, 
<laughs> just just that curiosity, huh? Yeah, it's. But I think uh, again, probably this requires lots of luck, you know, because you know how. Like for example, with sequence IQ, we, we bet on Docker. Uh, obviously, now it was easier for us with Banzai Cloud. We, we made our bet on Kubernetes, but uh, but at the time where we did the Kubernetes bet, it was you know it's I think there was no brain on that Kubernetes is gonna be a thing. With with sequence yeah. IQ, uh, we made a bet on Docker, and probably Docker at that time when we started to to containerize the Hadoop stack was 0.4 or 0.6. It was very wow. early. It was instable, breaking release by release, and and I guess that was just uh, that was just pure luck that Docker became a thing, and you know because Docker became a thing, and it was a huge interest in containerizing everything, uh, yeah, big data stack or the Hadoop stack. Then we we we've been just there at the right time uh, with the right stack, you know. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's valuable information and. and Looking back over that course of, of all this work you've done, do you think you'd have any advice now if you could go back and tell yourself, hey, you know, do this, do that? What would you say? Uh, I, I tend not to think on these kind of things because, you know, it's not, uh, you cannot change anything. So it's just. Uh, okay. You cannot no, change okay, the past, so, so. <laughs> Base and forward, keep going, you know, into the future. Sort of. Okay. Well, we're um, we're coming up to the end here. I wanted to jump into a lightning round. Uh, just some quick questions that uh, aren't on their own enough for a full question discussion. Um, the first one: Do you have a favorite hobby? Yeah, it's surfing and windsurfing. Surfing and windsurfing, yeah. awesome. Okay. Um, do you like to cook at all? Do you have a favorite meal that you really enjoy to cook? I have I have a favorite meal, but uh, I can't cook, so usually I'm not cooking at all. Uh, I like spicy food though. So if I, oh, if, okay. I, if I were about to cook something, probably that would be spicy. But uh, yeah, I stop at the normal So uh, spicy, have you had some of like those worlds, like super hot peppers, like the ghost pepper, or the uh, Trinidad scorpion pepper, any of those? Uh, I did probably, I'm not sure if it was this Cheyenne or the other kind of things, but uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a couple of strong ones. Uh, I went to, to a place where, where, the cook it was an indian restaurant uh where yeah. the cook stopped doing his own spicy kind of thing uh because uh -huh. he said that somebody got a heart attack so he was doing with i don't know, like oh wow the, oh the no, unit was, yeah the unit was i guess it was eight and at the time he was cooking the meal which we had it was like three and it was extremely spicy and yeah we've been chatting with him and he said yeah this was level eight now it's level three and but I had, he had to stop it <laughs> Oh my god! I hope that person was okay. But talk oh, about sorry. a story as, as a chef. Like my food is so spicy, it's dangerous. You better watch out. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Um, it's not a good selling advertisement, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta watch out. Thrill seekers. Hey, um, do you have a favorite, like a dream car, like a car um, that you've always wanted? That's the car you would have if if money weren't a concern. Probably my dream car would be a Ford Focus RS uh, World Drive. Oh, car. really? Yeah, but I don't have one. I, but yeah, I would like to. to... Do, do you like like street racing or track racing? Uh, not really. I, I some I used to watch uh, uh, rally uh, when I was younger, but uh, so I would think for for you know uh, rally cars. Okay, I like it. Um, are you a morning person or a night person? Uh, Probably both, but more like morning. I wake up early in the morning. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, I think you're maybe one of the first people to say that. A, a lot of, I don't know if it's tech or what, but a lot of tech, they like night. I usually I wake up at six, so. <laughs> oh, okay, that is pretty early. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite open source project? I can, uh, besides our stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you could say yours if there's one. Like, just you personally, over over the history of working in tech, is there one that stands out as like, man, that was a really good project? I think JBoss was a pretty good project. Uh, but these days, I like Istio and, and the Envoy quite a lot. Okay. Uh, talking about our projects, I like something which is extremely simple, and it's basically it's encapsulates everything which Banzai Cloud does. It's a, it's a small project called Satellite. 
basically satellite. It's a it's something which is widely used across the bonsai platform, and it's a I don't know how to say it, that it's basically it's a it's a small system to determine the cloud provider your your code it's running on, and it's basically basically where it allows you to write cloud agnostic code and we inject the cloud specific part uh, by understanding uh, where the cloud where uh, where the the uh, where your cloud on which cloud your code is running. So for example, we don't require our customers to write, uh, for example, when they are writing Helm charts or, or operators to write cloud specific kind of things because we just figure out for them. Uh, we have, for example, a PVC operator where uh, we know we, we determine the cloud and, and we figure out the default storage classes for them, for instance. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Um, do you have a favorite professional sport? Do you like watching sports? I watch, uh, yeah, ice hockey. Uh, I used to use oh, okay. Colorado Avalanche uh, back a while ago uh, right, because I was playing ice hockey. Uh, yeah. I'm watching sometimes, I'm watching uh, football or soccer, as it's called in. Um, but only the Liverpool games. <laughs> so I'm not really interested in, 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 in football or soccer itself. I'm more interested in, in, in the team. Yeah. Okay. What's your what's your team? Liverpool. Okay. Um yeah, I you know, I don't watch a lot of you know football or soccer. I guess I watch a little American football sometimes, but ice hockey is just on a previous episode we were talking about ice hockey. And I love going to uh not quite the professional games, but the level right below professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so much fun and constant action too, man. Just always moving. Yeah, I, I always try to get to a game. Doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, obviously it's hard to get into NHL, uh, other unless you are not buying tickets from uh, from the black market. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> uh, I, but I, every time when I'm in the US, and I have the opportunity to try to get to a game because it's just amazing, you know. Uh, the crowd, the the speed of the game, the arenas, everything. It's it, it's a great show. Yeah, it is. And the game is great itself as well. I gotta find one. I'm in Oklahoma City, and they don't they don't really have any hockey here. But there might be something in Tulsa. I haven't looked. It's a nearby large city, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna check into that. And uh, what's your go to development language uh, these days? Is Go. Go. Yeah. Okay, you like Go. Uh, yeah, what, every- what is it about Go that you you enjoy? It's everything in Kubernetes. It's uh, sort of basically the first and foremost. You know, most we could have done many things in Java, but uh, you know, it's uh, since the whole Kubernetes ecosystem, Docker, and and usually infrastructure kind of code is written in Go. That was our choice of language for bar Okay, that makes but sense. the simplicity. We like the simplicity, and 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 you know, it's the the productivity at the same time. I so I've done um, a little IoT stuff in Go, and there were two things I really enjoyed more than a lot of other languages. I like that format issues were compilation errors. Mm-hmm. That um, it's not just like they're opinionated on that, which meant that a lot of my code was consistent with other actual code. Where my Java was just, especially when I first learned, it was trash. Right? It was just garbage that I put together. <laughs> so it helped me get productive in Go and like learning how to read libraries easier. Um, and then the other thing were Go routines because I'd never worked with that kind mm-hmm. of model before. It's always been like threads, right? Um, and, and I still really like Go routines, and I, I think in that way for concurrency now. Yeah, Java, Java is it's you know it's nice and uh, but it's still lots of boilerplate. Uh, you have to write lots of boilerplate code. With with Go, the thing is that even the default uh, uh, system is so powerful and and. Gives you so so strong primitives that you can build upon uh, on those libraries. Yeah. And, and the, so the last lightning round uh, question, and we we asked this a little bit earlier, but if you weren't in software, you weren't doing IT work at all, what do you think you would be doing? I don't know. Pro- <laughs> Surfing. Surfing and playing hockey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice answer there. I like it. Winning the lottery and surfing, you know. It's... <laughs> That's the one. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. Oh man. So, um, last thing: is there anything you want the audience to know? Any um, either internal projects you want to give a little visibility to, or uh, other things, media you're watching, something you wanted to share? Oh, anything. 
I don't know, maybe I would uh, make people more aware of the climate change. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's uh, Is that an issue you care about? Yeah, I think I, I, I've experienced this firsthand, you know, like been surfing in, in many different locations. Uh, I see reefs dying and, and water levels increasing or shorelines disappearing or moving back, I don't know, 10 meters. So I think it's a thing. Uh, so probably, you know, climate change. That's a really good one. That's something. So working, I got started in oil and gas in my career. And I still think that there's a there's a place for oil in the world. Um, I just don't know that we have to burn it, right? <laughs> uh, uh, there's just like other totally fine things you can do with it that helps people's lives, uh, like rubber and adhesives and stuff. Uh, but no, I've been conflicted about that a lot. Um, and I think about it in consulting too. So if we're asked to consult... Uh, so far, I don't think we've ever really consulted with a company that I, I would consider like unethical, but I've wondered if there was like, um, I think I could probably safely say this because we don't have any clients that do this, but like cigarettes, like tobacco. Um, if I was asked mm -hmm. to do work for a tobacco company, would, would I do it? It's a good um, question. Yeah. I, it's... I, I mean, I don't want to ask you that because that, that's a tricky, I'm not going to ask you that, but I don't know what I would do. I, I'd like to say I, I would turn down the business, but I know a part of me would consider it. That's that's rough. Somebody else would uh, would tell would, would do it anyway. So it's you know. Yeah. Anyway, on that super dark note, um, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the podcast, Janos. Is is there a way people could reach out to you if they wanted to um, contact you or find out more about Bonsai Cloud? Uh, yeah, you Twitter, or LinkedIn, uh, or I'm on on the Bonsai or Community Slack as well. So probably if there okay. will be any uh, show notes, then. Uh, I send you over and, and if somebody has any questions, just usually I'm pretty open to to discussions. Absolutely. We will we will include links to all that in our show notes. Um, and as always, thank you to the audience for listening. Please subscribe for more HashMap on tap content. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap on Tap page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.